In episode 30 of Mosin at Large, it's the best of times and the worst of times for Zoom cloud meetings. Apple has patented some technology that could make a big difference to the way blind people take pictures and even see the world. And listeners report from around the world on COVID-19. To be in touch with the show, drop me an email, Jonathan, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at mushroomfm.com. It could be an audio attachment or just write something down. And the listener line number is 864-60-MOSIN. That's 864-606-6736. I am listening, says Jane Jordan, but resting in bed. Not enough sleep last night. Neighbours growl. Everybody needs a good name. (laughs) Well, it's interesting you say this, Jane, because I was listening to an interview from our public broadcaster yesterday. There's a really cool interviewer called Kim Hill. She interviewed me once, and it was it was pretty grueling. You know, she's a pretty good interviewer. And she interviewed the author of this book. I think it's Michael Mosley, his name is. He wrote that book that everybody got very excited about to do with the 5-2 fasting thing. Now he's written a book on sleep called Fast Asleep. And I do enjoy reading sleep books because, as many people know, a lot of blind people without light perception especially have all sorts of issues with maintaining a good circadian rhythm. And he's come up with some interesting techniques in this book, Fast Asleep by Michael Mosley, that I have not tried before, including one where you sort of delay, you you deliberately deprive yourself of sleep for a four-week period, gradually increasing your sleep quantity until you get into a rhythm. So that was quite interesting. And uh, he does acknowledge what I already know, which is that diet can have a huge impact on your quality of sleep. Since I went low carb, my quality of sleep has improved. No end, no end, I tell you. Uh, But it was a really interesting book. So Fast Asleep is the name of the book. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? This is Adi. And thanks for uh, your lovely podcast this Sunday. As usual, it was fantastic. There are lots of things I want to speak, but I'll try to keep it to two to three things. Okay, one, the app which you, uh, one of the readers, Michael Ferrin or Michael F. shared a day one journal. I had just got that app two days back. I was exploring it and it is a fantastic app. Thanks to him. However, I'm still not able to create folders. So anyone, any ideas? Uh, it has a paid plan also uh, and it's a basic plan but i have a, it does everything what i need to do except i'm not able to create folders and uh, two i'm sharing a small experience jonathan uh, this put a smile on my face okay so there's this lady in india who's 72 uh, 72 years of age and uh, she she uh, she had hosted a dinner or was supposed to host a dinner on 22nd of march which was apparently a, a shutdown so at the time of her announcement she was not aware so she could not host the dinner and uh, now the pandemic has spread and there's a massive shutdown so what she has done is she uh, uh, goes through a phone book uh, so she calls the person puts the uh, you know the phone on speaker mode and she plays piano for them she asked them for a favorite uh, for their favorite tune and it is any tune she's not even prepared and like uh, maybe carpenters maybe any other english song maybe any other song she'll play the tune for it live and uh, i mean this is her way of you know spreading joy during this uh, troubled times and she's 72 years and jonathan she's completely blind and people like crying and having tears once they listen to the tune and the gesture is awesome. So just wanted to share. I don't know her name, so I'm calling her the 
द पियानो लेडी एंड माई फ्रेंड माई फ्रेंड हू शेयर दिस स्टोरी विथ मी वॉज इन्वाइटेड फॉर द डिनर एंड शी ऑल्सो गॉट अ कॉल एंड दस पियानो लेडी प्लेड अ ट्यून फॉर हर एंड माई फ्रेंड वॉज ऑल्सो इन टीयर्स ऑसम रियली ऑसम एंड वन मो थिंग जॉनथन ओके नाउ आई लिसन टू ए पॉडकास्ट आई हैव नेवर बीन एबल टू लिसन टू मशरूम एफ एम सो आई एम कमिंग अंडर एसेंशियल सर्विस इज माई जॉब बट टूडे इट्स एन ऑफ एंड द पब्लिक ट्रांसपोर्ट इज शट सो इट्स डिफिकल्ट टू रीच ऑफिस ऑनेस्टली सो आई ट्राई टू लिसन टू मशरूम एफ एम बट आई वॉज नॉट सक्सेसफुल आई डो नॉट ऑन माई आई डिवाइस इट वॉज आस्किंग सम यू आर एल एंड सम अदर थिंग एंड आई पुट इन एवरी थिंग बट इट वॉज नॉट गेटिंग एक्टिवेटेड एंड सडनली द मेरेकल द सूप ड्रिंकर केम टू माई रेस्क्यू आई जस्ट आस द सूप ड्रिंकर टू प्ले मशरूम एफ एम एंड वाओ जूम so today i do intend to listen to this show and uh, uh, congrats to you but uh, jonathan one small request see uh, you need to be kind and you're always kind and you can extend this kindness right now <laughs> and uh, your yeah. prime minister uh, jonathan uh, has asked people to be kind so why don't you please kindly share the secret of calling the a lady soup drinker oh everybody supposed to have hot and i love soup and how can you not love soup watch, but more watch. than soup i love the word soup drinker jonathan can you do one more act of kindness please anyway jonathan love listening to you bye oh well goodbye oh. and your email just conjures up so many things to which i should respond oh my word first of all the piano playing story is wonderful and it's really cool that people are trying to contribute in whatever way they feel able I know my friend Mark who people will have heard on this show before. He is doing a daily Facebook live thing where he's playing his piano and that's pretty awesome. That's getting some good numbers tuning into that actually. And of course we have Sarah here on Mushroom FM who is doing her concerts on Come by the Hills and she's back tooting the harp. on Sunday night so that's very much worth listening to so it's great when people make that kind of contribution regarding listening to mushroom fm on your phone you could download any number of radio apps like the even the free version of tunein has it but also you can just ask siri play mushroom fm and it will pop right up now you've certainly hit a very yeah that's a very good way to tempt me to spill the beans because you're right our prime minister Jacinda Ardern has said repeatedly to New Zealanders we need to be kind at this time we need to be kind and i have a lot of respect for Jacinda she's a remarkable leader and if she specifically told me to do something i would If my country called on me to do something I would definitely do it at this time, right? It's kind of like a wartime thing. So, uh, here's my deal for you, Adi. If you contact Jacinda Ardern and tell her to tell me to spill the beans on this particular topic and if I get a call from Jacinda and she comes on the Mosin explosion and asks me on this show, I will do it. There's your challenge. Up to you. to get in touch with Jacinda and persuade her to persuade me and if she does and if she comes on the show then you have a deal Greetings, New Zealand from the wet coast of British Columbia Canada my god dog Baker would love to see hello to Eclipse hello to Bonnie Monday I'm glad to hear you Loud and clear, Jonathan. I must say here in BC, we're doing very well with 1,066 cases, 606 
of recovered 142 are in hospital 67 in critical care 25 have moved on to other places. We're not under total lockdown, although we have everything but two people banned. So restaurants are ordered to go. We have groceries open, grocery stores open. The pharmacies are open. The gas stations are open. The buses are running, the taxis are running, uh, so we have also got at 7 o'clock um, people coming out and doing vocal noise or banging pots and pans. We have uh, police cars making noise, we got fire trucks making noise, all to show support for our absolute wonderful Healthcare workers in this interesting time. Anyways, we seem to be moving along, flattening the curve. Our provincial health doctor, Dr. Bonnery Henry, is pretty much following all the research, so we are not in a very bad case over here. Uh, of course, the uh, government's slow to respond, but it can be interesting to, to see what happens to restaurants after this all done. Airlines or what happens to them after all this is done. Uh, I imagine sporting events will be back in full steam after all this is done, so... I'm so glad to be in BC. Glad you're happy with where you are, Angus. That's Angus McKinnon. Good to hear from you. And I did see some projections yesterday for Ontario, which were on the gloomy side, I have to say. And, of course, Toronto is um, such a significant population centre of Ontario. So we wish everybody uh, everywhere well in these extraordinary times. And, yet, yeah, flattening the curve appears to be the strategy that many countries, states, provinces are adopting. Here in New Zealand, what we are attempting to do is eradicate the thing altogether. That's why we went into lockdown when community transmission was observed. The moment it happened, the uh, level went up and the lockdown was announced. And I guess we will find out just how well that strategy is working over the next couple of weeks because uh, clearly there's a bit of a latency between when that thing starts to happen and when we get to seeing whether the measures have taken effect and that should start to happen in the next few days and then we'll get some idea of how long this national lockdown will last and of course for that to work to eradicate the virus in New Zealand and we are good at eradicating things or keeping things out we've done that with agriculture for a long time it will mean that we either have to have insanely strict border restrictions or just keep the borders closed for the foreseeable. Hello, Jonathan Mosin. My name is Brendan, and I am from the United States. On the last podcast, a viewer wanted some suggestions on Bluetooth headphones. I would suggest neither the Sony WH-CH700N or the Sony wh XB 900N. 
These headphones provide great audio and possibly come with voice prompts for those who need audio cues. These headphones are sometimes reasonably priced when on sale. For example, I believe the 700 ends are approximately $130, when the original price of the 900 ends are about $250, but sometimes on sale between $130 to $175. Thank you very much for that. That sounds like quite pricey gear, doesn't it? But some of those Bluetooth uh, headphones and all that kind of stuff are a bit pricey, but for many people worth the price. So thank you for those specific model number suggestions. And it will be interesting to know whether Melanie, who was asking about these last week, finds anything that's suitable. Hopefully, Melanie, if you do, if you try something and you find it and you like it, that you will report back. Hello, Jonathan and Mosin Explosion listeners. All of us are working from home pretty much exclusively now, and I have done that for a while for part of my work, but I'm now doing it for all of my work. That means I need to attend various meetings on uh, Zoom or Microsoft Teams or uh, Skype, and I've been listening to some of your conversations on the program, Jonathan, about audio quality and paying attention to the audio quality of others. I work with my iPhone and I use my Braille Sense as the Braille keyboard so I don't have a computer and I've been using my AirPods Pro to attend uh, Zoom and similar meetings. I also, I should say, do uh, a little bit of media here in Australia. I just um, appeared on a national TV program last night and so audio quality is really important to me. And I listened to that program and I thought, uh, I was appearing on Skype and I thought I really sound as if I'm on a good quality mobile phone and it's not really the sort of audio that I want. So I wanted to ask you and your Mosin Explosion listeners what you might suggest. Um, should I buy a microphone like the lapel microphone that you've just bought? Um, uh, and would that be enough? Can I get an adapter to plug it into my uh, iPhone? Or should I think about a small mixer and what might be um, what might be appropriate in that context? And if I'm going to buy a, a microphone, would I be better off rather than getting a lapel microphone to get a, um, a headset with a microphone on it that I could plug into my iPhone? I'd really be interested in input from you um, and from others listening to the program. Good to hear from you, Graham. I, I have to say, that's Graham Innes, by the way, because he didn't introduce himself. Everybody knows Graham Innes' voice, though, don't they? What I don't know is how many people are wearing headsets on the telly these days. It is remarkable how many people now we see being interviewed using voice over IP technology on the television, because otherwise they wouldn't be doing any interviews at all since everybody is self-isolating. But what I think would be the most acceptable for TV would be a lapel-type microphone. The Sony MB77 that I have has an XLR connector at the bottom. In other words, it's designed to plug into a mixer. The mixer can then supply phantom power, or you can put a battery. I think it might be a, a single AA battery into the microphone, and then it's powered by itself, and it doesn't require phantom power. 
that doesn't sound like the best solution for an iPhone. I know that Sony make quite a wide range of these sorts of mics at a professional level, and there may be something that has a USB at the end. You could then potentially use the Apple camera adapter kit, which is just a fancy way of saying you get this jolly expensive dongle from Apple because it's Apple, so it's an expensive dongle, and it plugs into your lightning port, and then you have a USB at the other end. And as long as it doesn't require too much power, you can power USB microphones from that adapter. And certainly if you've got a microphone that has a battery compartment, then you can supply the power that it needs from that battery and the iPhone will be quite happy. One of the products that I would recommend that is specific for the iPhone is the Rode SC6L. You can get this in the form of a kit. What you get is a lightning dongle so it plugs into the lightning port and that lightning dongle has three sockets in it the left hand and right hand sockets are for two microphones and you can get lapel microphones from Rode supplied you can just buy the dongle on its own but they also do a version that offers two mics and the dongle as part of a kit and that's what I bought and these are little lapel mics so they're very inconspicuous for the telly they can just be clipped to your collar or somewhere like that and i think the tv people would really appreciate the fact that you're not wearing a dirty great big headset you've got this inconspicuous mic that gives really good audio and you'll sound better than most of the people who are being interviewed from their houses right now who don't don't care as much about the audio it's a very versatile product because it's compatible with an app that you can get from the app store where you can determine whether Each mic is in mono, in other words, coming through both channels at once, or you can have one mic on the left channel and one mic on the right. That's good for a couple of scenarios. One is that you can clip them to either side of your collar and get really nice binaural recordings. You can actually go out and about and get some really lovely binaural recordings with your iPhone, which is sweet. You can also use it for interviewing. So I actually have done some interviews with this little kit and you clip a microphone onto your guest and a microphone onto you. You have each of those mics going onto different channels and then this wouldn't apply to you, Graham, because you say you don't have a computer. But in my case, I was able to bring that into Reaper, put each channel on its own track and do leveling and EQ and things. So the Rode SC6L is, I think, the perfect solution. It doesn't sound quite as good as a good dynamic mic, say the Samson Q2U, which is a great mic for the price. And you could use that with the Apple camera adapter kit as well. If you go back and listen to the podcast I did on Backpack Studio, at the very beginning when I did the intro, I was actually using one of those mics with my iPhone. And it sounds pretty nice. But of course, that would require some sort of boom stand or tabletop stand and may not look good if you're doing TV. So if you really wanted to go all in, I'd get the Rode mic kit, the SC6L for your TV appearances, and I would get a Samson Q2U for your radio appearances. And that way, you'd cover both bases because the audio from the Q2U is definitely superior to the lapel mic. So knock yourself out, Graham. I I look forward to... uh, hearing you on the on the telly or the radio when you've got all this new kit and find out how well it's doing. Mosin at Large Podcast. Hello, Jonathan. 
How are things going? I just had a question for you. With Microsoft Word, we used to be able to have sounds enabled so that when you hit delete, it does the delete noise and such. I'm wanting to know, is that still possible with Windows 10 and Microsoft Word? Yes, Mickey, you can do this still, although I think the sounds are a little less intrusive than they used to be back in the days of, I don't know, Office 97, 2000, that sort of thing. But if you go into options, there are a couple of places where you can find the sound feature in all of the Office applications. I, for whatever reason, have enabled them on my laptop, which I use at work a lot, but not here on the Studio PC. But you can go and probably the easiest place to find them is in accessibility options. If you go there, they have the checkbox that says, you know, do you want to play sounds or not? And you can check that box and off it goes. I don't know the extent to which you might be able to customize those sounds. I guess they're just wave files lurking about somewhere. So um, you may well be able to custom them to your heart's content. I remember that was a big thing at one point, wasn't it? That we would all look at the different sounds that Windows would make and we'd make these sound schemes. And you, you could sh- you probably still can ship them off and sort of give them to people, all these different Windows sound schemes. But yes, that is still a feature. And while we're on the subject of Microsoft Office, in the midst of all this COVID stuff, they made a big announcement across the week, which is that shortly Office 365 is going to be renamed Microsoft 365, and they're describing it as the subscription for your life. They're going to add a whole lot of new features beyond the standard Microsoft Office applications, such as a Find People app, you know, Find Family, as if we needed another one of those. They're also going to be adding some additional artificial intelligence to the apps if you want to subscribe. So, for example, when you're writing in Microsoft Word, they'll give you a lot of information about documents where you may be overusing a particular phrase or word. And they will even offer, thanks to artificial intelligence, to rewrite entire sentences for you to be more concise or just mix up the language a little bit. So that'll be interesting. And they're also pushing Microsoft Teams I have really come to like Microsoft Teams a lot. We sort of used it a bit at work, but now that everybody is working from home, Microsoft Teams is probably the app that I spend most of my time and even more so than Outlook at the moment. The quality of the web conferences is phenomenal. And it's a little bit sort of from an accessibility point of view or just a UI point of view, kind of a bit idiosyncratic in Windows, but it is accessible. And so they're going to be rolling out Microsoft Teams to encourage people to collaborate with family members, share photos, communicate with one another via Teams. And I think that's a signal that Skype is going to get a lot less attention in future. So Microsoft 365, quite a big play from them to encourage more people to subscribe. When they say a subscription for life, it makes me think, you know, what happens if you stop paying your subscription for your life? (laughs) Do you automatically expire when the subscription expires? Uh, So I'll be interested to see how they evolve that whole Microsoft 365 concept going forward. Jonathan, this is Roy Nash. Hello, Roy. Little Rock, Arkansas, and the United States. I first of all would like to commend you on your comments last week regarding Donald Trump. Your comments were not so much political as they were humanitarian. 
you were expressing concern for those of us who inherit this planet. Because whether we realize it or not, what goes on on in one part of the world vastly affects all of us. So I commend you on your comments. I commend you on the stand that you took. I hope you will continue to take those stands and come out and express your opinion. Let us know how you feel because that's what I'm going to do. That's what I have always done. But that's not primarily the reason that I'm emailing you today. I read a good deal about the Envision glasses. I am very low vision, and so I think the glasses would be a tremendous benefit to me if I understand them correctly. I have the in the uh, Envision app, so I'm somewhat familiar with the concept. My one concern is that I'm not a multitasking person. I never have been. I will stay on one task like a bulldog until I get it taken care of before I go to another one. And what I want to know is, uh, would I be able to communicate with others while I'm using the glasses? Would I isolate myself or would I be able to use the glasses and be aware of my environment and people in my environment at the same time. Now, that may seem like a strange question, but it's uh, of great concern to me because I don't want to isolate myself, but I would like to have the benefits of of the glasses. So if you've used them or if some of your listeners have used them, I would be very interested in what you have to say because... Frankly, I'm uh, very, leaning very much toward ordering the glasses. Thank you very much, Roy. Good to hear from you. And I see that Arkansas was the 30-something states to have a disaster declared as a result of COVID-19. So I trust that you are doing okay. And thank you for your comments regarding my comments. I think one of the sad things is that many people view politics as some sort of contact sport where you must always root for your particular team regardless of what is going on. And in fact, what we're really seeing with the COVID-19 situation is that the temperament of our leaders and their ability to absorb science and act with compassion and decisiveness really does matter. And therefore, what we do at election time, wherever we are in the world, really does matter. And it breaks my heart to see the way that the COVID-19 situation is being handled in the United States because it is killing people. It's a frightening thing to watch, even from this distance. So I cannot imagine what it is like to live through it. You know, we've gone from a period where The president called the COVID-19 a hoax, claimed it was under control, then claimed it would all be opened up by Easter and then said, oh, no, that was aspirational. It's just terrible. And I tell you what, in a decade's time, Americans will look back on this period with the same degree of shame as they now look back on McCarthyism and possibly even darker periods in the country's history. 
So I do appreciate your comments. Regarding Envision, I haven't had a play with these glasses. I believe they're still in prototype and they were being showed at CSUN. So I imagine they would have to accommodate that use case because we all want to be able to communicate with people around us and, and not be locked in. So if anyone's had hands-on and can comment on Roy's specific question, that would be useful. The one thing I would say, and I did take out a lifetime subscription to Envision because you know, I like supporting these companies that clearly have the best interests of blind people at heart. And I know that it's quite a popular app on Android because seeing eyes, seeing AI is not on Android. So there was a real clamor for a product that was like seeing AI that was also on the Android platform for those who choose to use Android. But what I found when I've done side-by-side -side comparisons is that seeing AI is a lot more accurate. And I'd be interested to know whether others feel that way or whether it's just my particular, I don't know, lighting, use case, whatever. Where I've often found this is in two areas. If I have a lot of mail and I just want to quickly know enough about that mail to decide whether I want to read it in detail, sometimes you just want to get enough to know, is this junk mail, like, you know, from the Inland Revenue, <laughs> um, or, or, or what is it? And I find that with seeing AI, it's remarkably good at that, just quickly skimming the mail in the same way that a sighted person might pick up a piece of mail and be able to tell at a glance what it is. With Envision, I haven't found that so much, not at this stage anyway. So I keep coming back to seeing AI, even though I try to use both. And so that just makes me wonder about how much value I would get from the Envision glasses. The other scenario is when you get an image on Twitter and you're so, or some other social media platform, and you're so interested in what that image is that you want to send it for recognition and description. I find that seeing AI is quicker and you know, potentially a bit more accurate than Envision. Although that makes no sense to me intuitively because I imagine they're using probably the same kind of services to do the recognition. So I would be interested in anybody who has also done comparisons between the two products and what they think. So hopefully we'll get some feedback on all of that, Roy, and I, I appreciate the message. Hi, Jonathan. It's Tanya Harrison Hello, here. Hello, Tanya. I actually have found that in the last few months I have found it increasingly harder to be more efficient and productive on my phone because of continuous bugs that are left unfixed. Especially now at a time when we're all adapting to changes in the world and we're all having to come to grips with taking in lots of information and I find that on a system that is, to my mind, getting steadily more plagued with bugs, it is extremely, excruciatingly difficult to be as efficient at getting in information when the bugs are so time-consuming to deal with. It makes me wish, and I doubt this would ever happen, but I'd love to know how many people have wished this too. It makes me wish that they would just stop thinking about new features for a couple of years and just absolutely refine what we've got. What we've got is absolutely fantastic, providing that it works, and it works 
so that we can be efficient, so that we can be more productive, and so that we can continue to absolutely love our phones as we do now. I could give examples, but I suspect people don't need those. So I I just wonder how many people feel that way. I'm not talking about accessibility features that are necessarily crucial, like all the all the ones you've mentioned, Jonathan, with hearing aid support and things like that. I'm actually talking about more regular features. It seems to me that the more they add to the regular feature set, the more that voiceover is broken. So I think that, I mean, I just wish that they would, especially with what's happened this year, I, I just wish that they would put some more time and effort into sorting out these things. My iPhone 11 was the first phone I've had that made me think, boy, if this had been my first iPhone, I don't think I would have had it for more than a month. For years and years, probably since mid-2013, which is around the time I felt that I'd really mastered iOS to the best of my ability to be proficient with it, I realized I started to use my phone a lot more than the PC. Whereas now there are times I'm falling back on the PC because I just find with braille bugs and I, I, I'm meaning on screen braille bugs and things like that. I just find these things now quicker to do on the PC. Thanks, Tanya. That's a really interesting and thoughtful contribution. And I kind of wish you had given some more examples. I do agree that there are some frustrating bugs in iOS, but I don't know whether I perceive any more than we've normally had. Of course, in iOS 12, the whole philosophy behind that, which was a fairly minimal feature release, was to spend time fixing things because Apple got pinged about the number of bugs in iOS 11. So it seems a little bit circular, doesn't it, that we get into these cycles I think the iPhone 11 and products with Face ID have created a bigger learning curve for people new to the iPhone. This is what I've observed just with people emailing me and talking to me about using the iPhone, that the fact that there is no physical home button is a bit of a problem for some. The fact that there is now Face ID and no Touch ID is also causing quite a few blind people trouble. I mean, I can get Face ID to work probably a good 97, 98% of the time. And when it doesn't work, it's because of lighting. Like when I'm in very bright sunlight, occasionally I will have issues there, for example. There are some bugs. The notifications one has crept back into iOS now, which I find very frustrating at a time when I'm getting so many notifications, as many of us are who have breaking news apps. The spell check options on the rotor haven't worked for quite some time, and I find that deeply frustrating because I do like to use my iPhone like you as a productivity tool. We've got focus issues in the email where when you delete an email, your focus jumps all over the place. That is also frustrating. But then I think there's always been a handful of bugs that bug us, if you will, with every iOS release. So I don't know whether it's any worse, and I guess I just feel on the whole that, you know, I'd like those bugs to be gone, but that they're doing quite a good job to me, uh, certainly much better than the competition. But I would be really keen to hear from other people and perhaps on next week's show, if you want to cite some specific examples that you're experiencing where you feel that productivity has taken a hit, because I think productivity is important. And certainly with the combination of all the abilities we have now to query 
formatting and skip to different format uh, styles, etc. in the iPhone, I found it becoming an increasingly viable productivity tool. So not at all discounting your perception because we all use our devices in different ways, but it would be really interesting to hear more about why you're feeling the way you are about the productivity issues on the iPhone. Jonathan Mosen, Mosen at Large Podcast. Brian Gaff was emailing earlier and he said he's experienced some battery life issues with his iPhone since the last update. So he's going to try turning it off and back on again. I am doing okay with the phone, but I've had no end of issues lately with the Apple Watch. The battery life was absolutely plummeting. So, of course, the first thing you do is turn it off and back on again. Actually, that did help to some extent because I wasn't even able to get through the day at one point until I restarted the watch. But even after that, I was finding that battery life was way less than it used to be. And Googling on this, battery life on Series 5 watches has been a bit of an issue since they came out. So I deleted everything and restored from my most recent backup. The good thing to note is that when you do these things, activity data is safely ensconced in the cloud separate from your watch backups because I'm now on a 570-day move streak, and my last streak was only broken by the failure of the activity data to get backed up and restored, but they seem to have improved it a lot since then. So I did a backup and restore, and my activity data was fine, but really there was not much improvement at all in performance. So I ended up setting up my Apple Watch as new, and I've got the minimum number of third-party apps on at the moment. My, the one app I really do enjoy on the Apple Watch, a third-party app, is Carrot Weather. It's such a good weather app on all the devices on which it runs. And that's pretty much everything Apple. I think there's a Mac app, although I don't own a Mac, but there's definitely a Carrot Weather for Apple TV and a Carrot Weather for the phone and for the watch. And it's fantastic, especially if you use one of the larger complications on your watch face. You get so much weather detail. But I can't get the jolly old carrot to install. I could uninstall it and reinstall it on the phone, which I think would probably fix it. But then I'll have to set it all up again with all my customizations and things. So I think I'll just wait for the next update for carrot weather and get it back on my watch. But something was really draining the battery life rather badly. Knocking on the wood so far so good since I um, installed from scratch and set up the watches new. Hey, Jonathan, this is Peggy Kern. We did get out a couple times this week. One was that we had to take Sweetie to the vet to get what is considered an essential vaccination. And that was very strange. We drove to the vet. We had to wait in the car. So basically the waiting room was all kinds of cars with the people and their pets in their individual respective cars and you know they said keep you and your pets stay in the car and so then we had to call them let them know we were we had arrived and they said okay um we'll call you back in a minute when the tech is ready to come out and get her and sure enough the tech called and said okay take off her leash and her collar and we'll put on our own leash when we get her so out came the tech with gloves and a mask and uh their leash and they you know put it on her and took her in and gave her the shot and did a few routine tests that she had to and brought her back out we got her in the car and put her regular leash and collar back on and 
took her home, which was a very strange thing. But just that experience of the, the care they were taking really showed me how seriously everybody is and or should be taking this. You know, it's not just uh, come in and sit in the waiting room six feet away from everybody. I mean, don't even get out of your car. You can't take your own leash and call her in, you know, gloves and masks. And <laughs> and then yesterday we went to an electronics store to pick up a phone sanitizer that I'd ordered. Couldn't get the phone soap one, but uh, the store had a different ones, so we ordered it, and when it was ready for pickup, they had curbside pickup, so we drove there and uh, had to show them the printed email of with a serial number proof of purchase and all that stuff, and they just tossed it in the car, and then, of course, when we got home, Dan had to think real carefully about how he was going to get the product in the house, but still not get any germs in the house. You know, it's like every time we come in or out, we have to kind of think about how are we going to do this? What did we touch? <laughs> when was the last time we washed our hands? What have we touched since then? And <laughs> it's just really, really strange. And then this coming week, Sweetie has a grooming appointment because she has real furry. She's real furry and gets pretty shaggy and loves to roll around in dirt and stuff. And we don't want... Um, her to get any little creepy crawlies or germs in her hair. But the groomer staff is really reduced. They only have like one-fourth of the groomers. So uh, all I know is we have to get there 20 minutes earlier than we were scheduled and meet them outside. So I don't know, you know, if they're going to have the same kind of precautions that they had at the vets. But it's quite an interesting experience. I'm like you. I didn't get my hair cut before the lockdown, so uh, I'm sure by the time it's lifted, whenever that might be, I will be very ready for a haircut. But it's not too bad right now because I figure I'm not seeing anybody anyway, so who cares? <laughs> and they can't get their hair cut either. So. But uh, we do know a couple, the husband had a restaurant and the wife had a hair salon next door. So I'm sure neither one of them are working and those were their livelihoods. So I keep thinking about them and wondering how they're doing. Yes, life has changed so much and so quickly. A lot of those choices have been deprived of New Zealanders because pretty much everything is closed. So... There's no reason to go out unless you're going to the supermarket. Vets, of course, are essential services. And so if something is required to see to the dog, then we can get that. But the security is similar in terms of the way that they would deal with it. So, yeah, we are in really extraordinary times. And we'll be talking about this for years and years to come, for generations to come. This will be one of those things that history books are written about. We are fortunate here. There is a very generous scheme available to try and keep those businesses that are so badly affected afloat when this is all over or when we start to come out of the severe end of the lockdown. And I know, of course, there's that big $2 trillion of stimulus that you have in the United States as well. So hopefully that will help. Jonathan Mosen, Mosen at Large Podcast. Jane Jordan is on the Twitter. She says, OK, listeners, 
waterproof Bluetooth headphones, I can listen to stuff while in the shower. I am so tired of not being able to tune into stuff. I know this is weird, but I feel strangely out of touch when I have to have stuff turned off. Speakers are not an option. Okay, then. I feel very nervous about any electronics in the shower. It took me a while to come to terms with a shower radio, but I still have not worn an Apple Watch in the shower because I'm just... I'm just too chicken to do it. I might have the bird flu. Can't wear an Apple Watch in the shower. Maybe one day I'll really live dangerously and do it. AirPods don't work in the shower, do they? So don't try that at home. Don't try that at home. Maybe somebody has some suggestions for waterproof Bluetooth earbuds slash headphones. Brian Borowski says, I heard you talking about the mics and about USB power troubles. When I wanted to power something significant from the iPhone, I have plugged a powered USB hub into the Lightning to USB connector and then plugged a number of things into the hub. That actually works, though it is a bit messy. The phone sees the various devices. Yes, that's right. That will work. And it's certainly a very safe way to proceed Even with maybe one device that might chew a lot of energy, the iPhone is quite sensitive about how much juice the USB accessory is trying to draw, I guess, to protect your mobile phone battery life. So that's definitely one way around it. I mean, it detracts from the mobility of it a little bit, doesn't it? Because you've got to have that USB-powered hub with you. But yes, it does work. Audio and video conferencing apps have been a way of life for many people for many years. In recent years, an increasing number of us who conduct business this way have turned to Zoom to do it. If you can see, it's become a popular choice because of its comprehensive feature set, its simple user interface, its superb audio and video quality, and its generous free tier. Even when you pay for a pro account, you pay a fair price and get excellent customer support. And it's got better over time. Innovation has continued at pace. Those of us who use Zoom and are blind love the product for all those reasons. Plus, Zoom has demonstrated an exemplary commitment to accessibility on all platforms. I've been using Zoom for about six years now, and I got so enthusiastic about it that I produced an audiobook, which, as I had hoped, helped to facilitate a dramatic uptake in the use of Zoom in the blind community. Zoom patiently answered my questions during the preparation of that audiobook, and I was really impressed that they even bought a bunch of copies so they could give them to their engineers. They wanted engineers to understand how blind people interacted with and benefited from their software. So I've seen repeatedly, firsthand, that Zoom's commitment to accessibility is in the DNA of the company, it's genuine, and it's ongoing. Now, in such a very short time, the world has changed and almost all of us are working from home. For many people, learning about Zoom and how to use it was one of those things that they intended to get around to at some stage. Suddenly, though, it's become essential. Zoom took off. According to its founder and CEO, just a few short months ago, Zoom had 10 million users, most of them enterprise customers. Now they have over 200 million users. That is mind-blowing growth by anyone's standards. And the product has gone well beyond the enterprise. Families are using it to stay in touch. 
service clubs, yoga studios and support groups are meeting virtually for the first time. It's become used by governments at parliamentary and cabinet level. And because of Zoom's many advantages, it's the flavour of the month right now. And with that sort of popularity explosion comes increased scrutiny, and that's as it should be. But make no mistake, some of that increased scrutiny will be coming from competitors looking to burst Zoom's bubble. In my view, Zoom has been a bit naive in some cases, neglectful in others, and dishonest in one. Zoom's ease of use was a blessing when it was a lesser-known product predominantly in the enterprise. Now that it's a household name, it's become a curse. It's allowed the nasty side of human nature to thrive through a phenomenon that has very quickly entered our lexicon known as Zoom bombing. Many people this week by email have asked me to explain exactly what this means, so let's tell you about how Zoom bombing works. Some people find out about Zoom meetings they have no right to attend because of Zoom's predictable meeting ID syntax. And sadly, there are now programs that dial, much like the old war dialers in the BBS days, looking for valid Zoom IDs to Zoom bomb. Others learn about meetings they have no intention of attending for legitimate reasons through the meeting URL being posted on social media or a public email list. However, they discover the meeting ID... Nasty individuals have been entering a Zoom meeting and disrupting it with everything from screen-sharing pornography to hurling racial abuse. I hope we'll see some prosecutions of the low-life individuals doing this. But clearly, Zoom needs a better system. And indeed, protections have existed for a long time now in the platform to guard against this behavior, even if they used to be turned off by default. You can protect a meeting with an additional layer of password security. The moderator can cause all attendees to come into a waiting room where the moderator must approve their entry into the main meeting room. Screen sharing can be limited to the host or others who have a legitimate need to use it. Meetings can be set not to start until the host is present. But understandably, people think this Zoom bombing thing won't happen to them until it does. Zoom is now making waiting rooms and another password layer the default. It may be a little more inconvenient, but the platform will still be just as accessible with these features enabled. And you'll have peace of mind. We learned this week that despite Zoom telling us that meetings were end-to-end encrypted, that's not strictly true. Zoom has recanted this statement and they should never have made it. There have also been several vulnerabilities identified in the product. For example, one that really resonated with me was their implementation of Facebook's SDK in the iOS app, which meant that user information was being shared with Facebook, even if the user didn't have a Facebook account. Now, as someone who detests Facebook and wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them, I was deeply concerned by that. To their credit, as soon as Zoom was made aware of the issue, they got a fix in the App Store very quickly. They didn't know that the Facebook SDK was doing that. And that illustrates that they do need better security people checking on these things before they go out. A security vulnerability was discovered regarding the camera in Mac computers. This too has already been patched with a new installer. It's worth noting that any product that becomes as popular as Zoom has will receive increased scrutiny, both from genuine security experts, motivated to keep computing safer, and by lowlifes who want to make our lives miserable.
That's why it was thought for a long time that Windows was less secure than Mac. We now know that wasn't really the case. It was just that the dominant operating system got a lot more attention. You will remember not so long ago the serious conferencing bug with FaceTime that meant that video conferencing was taken off the platform for some time while Apple addressed it. They also did the right thing by doing that. The measure of a company is how it responds when that level of scrutiny comes its way. Facebook, in this regard, has failed test after test after test. Zoom, on the other hand, has responded quickly and honestly, already making changes and patching the code. In my own experience as a leader, I've learned that when you are clearly in the wrong, you need to fess up, own your mistake, offer a meaningful apology and clearly state how you're going to make it right. Zoom's CEO has done all of these things, making it clear that all engineers will be focusing on security and not new features over the next 90 days and increasing the rewards offered to people who find genuine security issues and bring them to Zoom's attention so they can fix them. I won't be abandoning Zoom and I hope you won't either. I cut them a lot of slack because of the way they deal with shortcomings, but most important, because when Zoom remains incredibly accessible and insanely popular, we all win. I think they're genuine, I think they're getting on top of the issues, and I hope they continue to enjoy phenomenal growth. Just be sure to accept the new meeting defaults. It's a small price to pay for good quality conferences that are fully accessible. Thanks to Zoom for keeping us connected, and all the best with getting the troubles behind you. There was an article I read over the week that was really interesting, and it talked about why was it that tech companies were so quick to move on this. And you recall, for example, that at CSUN, it was the big tech companies that led the charge to not go. So it was companies like Microsoft and Google and Amazon and Adobe. They were some of the first to pull out and the first to cancel other conferences and put restrictions on their workers. And the article was saying it's because they are so data-driven. They weren't at all driven by the political consequences or anything like that. They could just interpret the data. They were used to dealing with cold, hard reality and numbers, and they could see exactly what was going to happen and that perhaps they were suggesting Americans might have been uh, well to have heeded the way those tech companies were reacting rather than their unpredictable president. And I think that's a, a fair call. Here is Daniel B. Fry in New Hampshire. He says, we're listening in this afternoon. Another week has elapsed and we're still fortunately safe and well. We do have a close friend who has been diagnosed with COVID-19, badly enough to be in the hospital, but we are hopeful for his recovery. Otherwise, there's not much new. In some ways, he says, working from home is more intense than conventional office work because I think people feel a need to call unnecessary meetings, send email messages, and basically generate lots of material with minimal substance to convince themselves that they are working hard and constructively. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> I suppose also there's just a desire for contact in some form. I think that's it as well. People just want to connect. And I find that the whole pace of meetings is slowing right down. So people are willing to just do idle chit chat just because they crave that companionship. So there may be something behind that as well, that people are just 
generating emails and things to be in touch with one another, you know, in splendid self-isolation. COVID-19 and its resulting social distancing measures have inspired lots of people to live stream. So Facebook says it's going to launch various features over the next week or so to make Facebook Live more accessible and easy to use, particularly for people who might not have a lot of mobile data. The update will be global. The team is launching an audio-only mode for Facebook Live, which I'm sure many blind people will appreciate, as well as automatic closed captions, so we can communicate with our deaf brothers and sisters. It's also giving people various ways to access a stream outside Facebook, including logged-out support, which means people without a Facebook account can still tune in to content. This accompanies public switched telephone network support, so that means that streamers can generate a toll-free telephone number so viewers can call in to the audio of a live broadcast and hear it over the phone. Other new features are more directed to the people hosting live events. So there's lots going on with Facebook Live. I log on to Facebook as little as I possibly can, but I did check this morning to see if the audio option seemed to be available to me, and it appeared not to be. But that would be really cool if uh, that, in fact, is going to be made available quite soon. I'm sure a lot of people will take advantage of the audio-only feature in Facebook Live. Also, Facebook has introduced a Windows and Mac version of their Messenger app. This is because a lot of people are communicating by audio and video chat, and they want to do it on their desktops and laptops. And Facebook have noted a significant increase in the number of people accessing these facilities via their browser. So you can now go to the Windows Store and get the Facebook Messenger app from there, and I presume it's in the Mac App Store as well. If anybody has tried this yet, I'm not keen to put anything to do with Facebook on anything that I work with. But if you have tried it, I'd be interested to know if it is even accessible. It's time for the moment you've all been waiting for. The Bonnie Bulletin is on again. Hi, how are you? Welcome. How's it going? Good. Good. The clocks have gone back. I know. One more hour of... One more hour. Incarceration. And in this book that I've been plugging all day, Fast Asleep by Michael Mosley, he says that when the clocks go back, heart attacks go down. When the clocks go forward, heart attacks go up due to sleep deprivation. They also say that judges are likely to pass a harsher sentence on the day after daylight saving comes in. (laughs) Really? Because they've sleep deprived. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. How are you in this COVID-19 yeah, era? I um, wanted to say hi to Angus from um, BC, who was on earlier in the show. Cause you know he, Angus? No, but he gave a shout out to Oh, Oh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. From his guide dog. Doing good. I just saw, I think, one of the funniest things I've ever seen about the, the quarantine. And then I called my friend Jennifer to see if she'd seen it, and she hadn't. And I told her about it, and she laughed so hard she got choked. Oh dear. But it's a picture of Dolly Parton. And under it, the text reads, Before this quarantine's over, honey, you're going to be begging Jolene to take your man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very true. So I'm not sure what the male equivalent of that is. I'm not sure who the men are going to, what man 
you know, the guys are going to be begging to take their women, but I'm not sure what, what the what sort of the reverse song of Jolene is. But Get out, Dolly. I'm sure we can come up, but I just laughed when I was, I was like, that is his, that is so true. And you sound like you are coping most, most effectively in this uh, era of being locked in. Yeah, I've been, I, the key to it is really staying busy, and we have been really busy at work. We've been calling all the, the members. No um, one's called me. Well, I don't know why. They may not have gotten to you yet. No one's called me. So we've been calling members. There's 14,000 across New Zealand. Whether we'll get through 14,000, I don't know. But who knows? I'm trying to. I think you should aim to call all 14,000 of them yourself. That would take a very long time. Ah, well, you know, what else are you going to do? And I would probably be mad. What else are you going to do? No, it's a a group effort. It is a team effort. And someone took A and I took B and, you know, whenever you finish, you pick up another letter. And I understand it's it's first name, right? So you you take the first names. Yes, I started with the last name. So who's got the J's, eh? Well, I know who had the J's, but I'm not sure who has it now because there were a lot of J's. Right, right. You can imagine. My understanding is that the M's are like there's like a hundred and something Margaret's. And has anyone called you? I, I, I talked to myself. Oh, because you got the bees. Okay. Yeah, I right. did it on myself. Got the bees. So, yeah, that was fun. But, yeah, but but the pictures that this is like causing in my head of because the conversations we have on the email, okay, I finished my bees. I'm ready to move on to C now. And it sounds like primary school, it does. elementary so I, school. I have this picture in my head of this big classroom with the little desks that used yeah. to sit. Miss, in. I finished the bees. And up front are our you know, manager, CEO, leadership team doing whatever important things they're doing. And, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then when you finish your little letter you carry it up front and say teacher yeah exactly. can i can i take another letter from the box which which segues <laughs> us very nicely mm-hmm. into a blast from your past oh, dear. it's from sonia patel oh, Sonia, is Hi. that how you pronounce her name because it's got, so. got an extra i in it sonia, so, so, sonia patel and she says hi i'm sonia and am a music teacher in a public school and am blind I live in Lebanon. That's how you're supposed to say it, right? Mm-hmm. Lebanon, Tennessee. And your wife and I have many friends in common. Yes. Ooh. Please give her a big hello from me. Hopefully, she'll remember me. Yes. She was a little kid the last time I saw her. That means that you were a little kid last time she saw you then. Probably, yeah. Yeah, she well, was, um, gosh, probably about eight or nine. So she should be able to tell me what you sounded like. Maybe. If she I, remembers. I, I, I mean, really she, want to hear a tape of you. She may not. I mean, from I think when you we were in the Christmas play together or something. Oh, man. I, I just so like to hear it. Like, did you have a really major southern accent going on? I don't know. I think mm. I could. I did hear a really good interview with Sonia. Is it Sonia or Sonia? She was interviewed a few years ago on a podcast, and it was – it was very interesting. That was on Disability Stories, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 It was that, very that talking Tara about Briggs her. Briggs did. Mm-hmm, yeah. Talking about her music teaching. And uh, she teaches at Byers Dowdy, which is an elementary school in, in Lebanon. Yeah. So, yeah, she teaches uh, music music class. That's really impressive. So, yeah. it, it's, it's lovely to hear from you. And as she says, on to my questions. One, as I am working from home and providing online activities for my students, I want to thank you for offering the Zoom tutorial. It helped me to record videos and upload to YouTube independently. Do you know of other ways people record YouTube videos? If you have an iPhone, 
you could always do it that way. And uh, one of the advantages of doing that, again, as I've said in other contexts, is that you can use the front-facing camera and be sure that you are properly in the frame. The other way that you could do it built into Windows is to use the camera app. It's a little bit um, buried away, but you can go to the Start button and type camera, and you get the, assuming you're using Windows 10, and you get the camera app, and there's a video button, and then you can record, and it creates a... um, M4A file of the video. So you could do a basic YouTube video that way and upload it. There may be other people who do more sophisticated things, but there are a couple of suggestions. Two, says Sonia, I sometimes like to pre-record books of me reading to the kids. I was wondering if there was a way to play the audio through the computer and have video of me with the book at the same time so I could just worry about turning the pages. Any video editing software which is accessible. That reminds me, did you ever have those like Disney long playing records and they'd say, you know, you know it's time to turn the page when Tinkerbell, yeah, Tinkerbell rings her little Tinkerbell, bell. Tinkerbell, yes, Bing, or when let's the little begin. dog barks. Yes. It might depend on what sound card you have because some of them do have a uh, audio mixer option where you can actually record what you're playing back. And if you have a sound card that has that buried away in the sound card settings of Windows, you could choose that setting, play an audio file, and then read the book. The only downside of that, of course, is that you wouldn't be seen to be reading the book. I'm not sure if that matters to you or not. You'd be sitting there holding the book, but your lips clearly wouldn't be moving when you're reading because you'd be playing the audio file, unless you mimed, I guess. You could <laughs> you could mime as you read. Um, so I don't know, maybe uh, I know that Reaper can be used for some video work. It's something I've not done. So maybe people who are more into video can help us out Yes, Sonia, this is a good question. And three, I'd love to contact the teacher that contacted you on the last podcast. I think we could compare notes. Done, Sonia. I have forwarded your message to Nick Zamarelli, and Nick tells me that he has emailed you. So there you go. Glad to connect you. Yeah. That's cool. Nice to hear from you, and congrats on all that you're doing. Anything else to report? I mean, it's all pretty quiet, isn't it? There's not really much to... I just think about food a lot. Do you? What, the food you can't have? Yes, and people keep talking about, oh, I'm thinking about getting a pizza. I'm like, stop. It's like they say in the song, as I've said to you before, I believe, it seems to me some fine things have been laid upon your table, but you only want the ones that you can't get. Well, Christina was talking about Mm -hmm. eating a tuna melt. I don't even Mm -hmm. like tuna melts, but it was sounding good. And, and, of course, it's a very appropriate song for this week in the United States. You know, how does it go? Desperado, why don't you fill out your census? Don't be a bozo. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so we're going to try to do another common sense. We can't get eggs. I mean, we, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really foul that we can't Stop get any eggs. And it's bread. nothing to yoke about no. either. <laughs> um, shall I go on? Oh. Yeah. Um, I mean, we are just so locked down here. We are so locked down. Mm-hmm. I mean, other places have got food delivery open and things like yeah, that's that. That's what I told Jennifer. I said, you know, I sit here and I think there is nowhere in this entire country I can go get food. No. I no. said, isn't that a weird thought? It is pretty – it pays not to think about it too much because that's mm-hmm. what sort of did my head in yesterday. I mean, just so much of what we've always taken for granted is gone. Uh, are you a Tolkien fan? Yeah, sort of, yeah. Because here's an email from Thomas uh, Solik, 
and he says, Hi, Jonathan Thomas Solik in Ohio here again. He says, During the COVID-19 alternative reality in which we are now living, I find myself with just a bit more time on the weekends than normal. So I am trying to cross off uh, some recreational items that I'm now able to explore. I was quite surprised when I was unable to find any platform that would allow me to watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy of movies with audio descriptions. Do you or any of the listeners know of a source where you can accomplish this? I have been an avid Tolkien fan since childhood, to put it mildly. I've read the novels over a dozen times, as well as many of the other reference books on Middle-earth that Christopher subsequently published. I greatly prefer the books over the movies, but I wouldn't mind watching through the movies again, provided they would include audio descriptions. My research tells me that the Hobbit movies, released more recently, have audio description, full audio description, but sadly, it appears that Lord of the Rings do not If you haven't heard it, you should check out the BBC adaptations of Lord of the Rings. Ah, see, now Sarah Hillis has just tweeted in and said that she has the audio tracks of all three audio described uh, movies of the uh, Tolkien books. Mm. There's a site called audiovault.net and apparently that's where you get it from. George McLaughlin says, such a shame the extended versions still aren't audio described. This is uh, the Lord of the Rings movies. The BBC adaptation of Lord of the Rings was fab. Only BBC version of The Hobbit was slightly odd, though. Great show, and thanks for all the live broadcasts. Thank you, George. And that's right, they have done a recent TV adaptation. I was thinking of the classic radio versions of Lord of the Rings, which I think you can probably find lurking about somewhere. But, uh, of course, the BBC radio versions are classic quality BBC stuff. Hey, Jonathan, it's Maria in Albany, New York. Lacey's done pretty well in adjusting overall. The first couple of days, she kept, you know, bringing me toys during my work hours. Like, I'm not in harness. Why are you acting like we're working? But uh, she seems to have adjusted pretty well. And I've been walking with her up and down the block and up and down my stairs to get to my apartment. And, of course, she'll run around a little bit in my apartment when we're playing. It does help. She is uh, 10. I mean, she's doing well. But, you know, just in terms of sustained play and such. She doesn't seem to need as much of it. Um, I have recently gotten for her a puzzle toy. It's called a dog casino uh, and it's by Nina Ottison. And so that uh, has been entertaining her a bit. It's a rectangular thing and it has these six trays and they have handles on them and they also have locks on top which are shaped like bones. And so for her being a food-motivated lab, you know, you put treats in there, and then uh, she has to unlock the correct tray, and also then pull out, pull it out uh, to to get the treats. So um, it's kept her entertained. Um, I have been. Fortunate, you know, based on what I've heard from others in terms of grocery delivery, we too have had maybe five days of delay. Five days, I 
placed my first order of that uh, on Wednesday since this whole thing started. My first grocery delivery order and knock on wood, it's supposed to come uh, by tomorrow evening. So we will see what happens there. It's so fortunate that we have all of this technology and such at our disposal that, you know, we're just able, I've had lots of team meetings as well and it's been good and, um, you know, Zoom meetings, especially with different uh some of these that you've mentioned before, the the consumer organization meetings, I've attended some of the ACB calls. And so it's definitely great that we have all of this connection. I've been speaking with my parents and my brother and such over, you know, FaceTime. And so uh, great to be able to connect to people in, in different ways with this physical distancing. And with all this new time on my hands, some, some extra time, I've been playing around with something new, a new kind of skill. I actually, I'm still technically, but who knows if it's actually going to happen. It's still technically on the schedule. I had a trip uh, planned in February. I had booked this uh, to go to North India in the fall with a group called Travelize out of the UK. They pair uh, blind and sighted uh, travelers together. They take groups of them on tours and the sighted travelers get discounts in exchange for being sighted guides. And so uh, I had this trip and uh, so I decided to give the uh, Duolingo app and its Hindi lessons a try and I found it to be actually pretty uh, usable and accessible I would say overall. Uh, There are a couple of times you have to pay attention to what you've selected because you don't get uh, confirmation of what you've selected when you have word choices and things Um, but I mean in you know, language apps, I feel like are always a little bit up in the air as to whether they're going to work. So it's cool that I'm actually able to to move through this one. And uh, so have been playing with that. Uh, in terms of Envision versus seeing AI, I don't know if it's just me and, and my lighting or what have you, but I've had times where I've been using the short text channel and seeing AI and it's literally said nothing to me. And I know there's text on the box or the paper or what have you. So I've had to close the app and reopen it or switch channels and come back to short text, whereas Envision has said things. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad I do have both tools in the toolbox. I have the lifetime subscription to Envision 2. Um, I did use its, what do they call it, product identification or barcode uh, channel to uh, identify a bottle of shampoo and such not too long ago. So I'm glad I have both tools in the toolbox. And of course, Voice Dream Scanner is very, I found to be, of course, so great in terms of when I do need accuracy uh, for checking things. In terms of weather apps, I have found there's an app called Weather Office that I've used on my uh, iPhone, which I found gives pretty good detail. And uh, I've used recently uh, Ira hands-free with my iPhone for the first time. Now that the Horizon kit is no longer being supported, I got one of those lanyards that the Harbolt company is selling here in the US. I'm not sure what the brand is. I haven't asked an agent to tell me, um, but it actually worked pretty well. I tried using it hands-free yesterday for the first time. So knock on wood, that'll continue to go well. And uh, I'll be curious to hear if anyone else in terms of the whole lanyard versus chest mount experience and such, um, how it's been for people who have way more experience 
with this than I do. So on that note, thanks for the show and the, the live shows as well with bringing people together uh, in these unprecedented times. And I will keep listening and I, I will definitely start to tune in with the live show as well now um, with working from home and such. It makes it a little easier to, to do that. <laughs> so stay uh, safe and stay healthy and I will keep listening. Thanks. Bye. Well, same to you, Maria. It's nice to hear you sounding so bubbly and smiley in New York, which is, of course, the epicenter of the world, unfortunately, now when it comes to COVID-19. So you're sounding great. A couple of Apple-related news items, because I know people love Apple-related news items, and one of the things that's always interesting to watch, where Apple is concerned, are the Apple patents. And sometimes nothing comes of them, but sometimes you get a really exciting sneak peek into what might be coming in the future. And this one is particularly interesting as far as this audience is concerned, because Apple has filed a 30,000-word patent and it describes enhancements to the way that blind people take photos, presumably on their iPhones. I guess it could be on a dedicated device that we haven't seen yet, but one assumes it's for the iPhone. And it includes some really cool stuff, like describing the shot in real time. So you know, for example, that when you send an image to Seeing AI or Envision or one of those apps, and it comes back and describes the picture to you. Apple's hoping to be able to do this in real time so that you know exactly what you're getting in the picture before you take the picture. And it will speak when subjects enter and leave the picture. There will be vibrations to help you line up the camera and make sure that everything's level. Another thing is that it talks about integrating with the contacts app so that when you have a photo of the subject whose photo is in a contact, it would actually speak the subject by name. So if you were taking a picture of me, it'd probably break your camera, but uh, it, it'd say Jonathan Mosin in the bottom right of the screen, for example, if I were in your contacts. Now, what interests me about this is that there has been some talk, some quite consistent talk, so consistent that I believe it is happening, of Apple releasing some augmented reality glasses so can you imagine, and I think this is quite conceivable, all this real-time processing of data could mean that if you have all your contacts set up, so there are pictures of them in your contacts, you could potentially be wearing these glasses, have your iPhone with you, and you may get to the point where you'll be able to go into a room and the iPhone, as you look around wearing these augmented reality glasses or even just waving your camera around conspicuously, should be able to tell you if they actually develop this thing in the patent, who's in the room? Brilliant, isn't it? If you're photographing someone that the app can't identify, according to this patent, it will speak characteristics of the person. So it might say, you know, a woman wearing a black skirt and a white top or whatever. We are all waiting on tenterhooks, that's what we are, on tenterhooks for the iPhone SE Two. It looks like it is going to be called that and not the iPhone 9. There was some debate about what they were going to call it, but it looks like uh, a version of iPhone SE has won the day and it could be released any day, any day. Apple was going to have an event, we suspect, for this, but uh, there probably won't be 
an event. There may be an online one, but I suspect they'll just let it let it out, let it go. The Apple News blog, iGeeks blog, has revealed that the new iPhone SE 2 will have three gigabytes of RAM. The original iPhone SE had two gigabytes of RAM. Also, the storage options will be bumped to align the second generation iPhone SE with the current generation of iPhones. The iPhone SE 2 base model will reportedly have 64 gigabytes of storage with 128 and 256 gig options as well. The design of the phone apparently will be very similar to the iPhone 8. The body with uh, big shins on the top and the bottom. And of course, the iPhone 9 or SE 2, as we suspect it's now going to be called, will support Touch ID. It won't have Face ID because that will help to keep the price low. And there's some suggestion that it's going to come in at about a $349 US price point, which will be a pretty sweet spot. The other Apple news I wanted to mention, because I'd love to get some feedback if anybody is trying this, and this is the Dell Smartphone Companion app. It's not unusual to have Windows apps that talk really nicely to Android devices. But what is less common is the ability to control an iPhone from a PC. But apparently Dell has cracked this. And in their new companion app for smartphones that was released a couple of weeks ago, you can apparently control your phone from the PC. You can send and receive text messages, do all those things from the computer. And my big question is, is it accessible? Call me a cynic. But a lot of the Dell utilities I've seen over the years are anything but accessible. If it is, in fact, accessible, that is a pretty cool trick. And I would love to hear of anybody who's given this a shot and what your experience is like. You know what says, I laughed when one listener, that was Dan, suggested that we seem to be sending more emails and having more meetings under lockdown. A few days ago, one of my co-workers messaged me and asked me to call him. I asked, why? He said, call me. I asked, why again? Oh, my word. And he said, call me. You could have gone all day like that. So I called him, he said. He reiterated exactly what he had written over Teams just a minute ago. So I left the call after the meeting thinking, wow, that was rather productive. Yeah, people just want the contact, I think. There's something about voice and perhaps video for some people in this situation. And here is Petra. Hello, Petra. Welcome to you. Hi, Jonathan. And listeners, she says, my son-in-law says, if he's locked down for weeks with my daughter, it won't be the virus that kills him. Oh, dear. I could have been locked down with Kirk forever. That's Petra's late husband. And never had a problem. I agree with you, Petra. I'm glad to be locked down with Bonnie. I couldn't think of anyone I'd rather be in isolation with because we just enjoy each other's company so much. And the time flies by and we never run out of things to talk about. So we are very fortunate when we find ourselves in that position. Here's Aaron in the Philippines who says just wanted to share this effect of the current situation. Last month I had an MRI scan regarding my back. They said they suspect that I have POTS disease basically a bone TB. My doctor is asking me to do a biopsy to confirm so I can start the medication if this is really what I have. 
The sad part is, until now, I can't find a hospital that can do the test for several reasons. One is mass transport, which is not allowed here, so I can't get to the hospital. Another reason is those doctors that can do the test aren't accepting outpatient appointments. I found a doctor that can do the test, but unfortunately, the doctor is requesting a very high professional fee, which isn't covered by my health care. The result is, right now, I can barely walk, even just going to the restroom. This is because both of my legs are numb. Hopefully, I'll be able to have this fixed because I'm so afraid that I'll be unable to walk for a long time. It's really terrible, Aaron. I'm so sorry to hear that. And it just goes to illustrate why, if possible, it is great when governments, when officials can act before we get to the point where the healthcare system is so overloaded that other treatments that require urgent attention can't occur because everybody's just too busy trying to fight the COVID-19. So I wish you all the best and I hope that you can get some sort of resolution. Ending on a slightly happier note, if you are a Spotify user and you have an Apple Watch, many people have lamented for some time the fairly mediocre Apple Watch app that Spotify has offered. They've really beefed it up now and you can stream Spotify tracks on your Apple Watch with Siri integration. So you can now tell it to play a song and then you can just add on Spotify at the end and you can stream stuff from your Apple Watch. You'll have to get the latest Spotify app that was just released about a day or so ago. So as they say in New York, knock yourself out. And I'm off now. Thank you so much for a really busy show. It's great to connect with so many people every week. And I really appreciate you choosing the show. It's just something very special we've built up over all these years. I will be live with you at 2 a.m. and 2 p.m. Eastern, live each time with the Smorgasbord throughout the week. We connect. We have a great old chat. Sometimes I have some guests on there as well. And if you're at a bit of a loose end or you just like to connect with some of the audience, then you'd be very welcome to tune in and get in touch. To contribute to Mosin at Large, you can email Jonathan, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at mushroomfm.com by writing something down or attaching an audio file. Or you can call our listener line. It's a U.S. number, 864-60-MOSIN. That's 864-606-6736. Mosin FM.